Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Let me mention again uh, something I mentioned last week. Don't forget about the website that's associated with this radio program, BibleCrossfire.com. That's pretty easy to remember if you can remember the name of the program. If you go to BibleCrossfire.com on the Internet, you can send a message to me asking me any question. Uh, you can listen to old programs, archive programs. You can sign up to take a correspondence course online. You can request a phone or face-to-face Bible study. All kinds of things you can do at BibleCrossFire.com. I encourage you to go there. Uh, today, tonight, while we're waiting on a first call, and let me remind you that callers have the priority. Anything I'm trying to teach here, uh, I'm going to give a caller a priority. I know that's what makes the program interesting for you, is hearing what the callers have to say and the discussion that usually follows. Um while we're waiting on our first call, I thought I'd talk about the most famous verse in the Bible because it's such a great verse, John 3.16. As you know, it reads this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's talk about the details of that verse. First of all, the, it's, it's divided up into five phrases at least if you use the punctuation given in the King James Version, the comma separating the five phrases. First, for God so loved the world. Don't underestimate how much God must have loved us to give us his son. I mean, if you've got children, you know that you would die for your own child. So if somebody's willing to give up their own child like Abraham was willing to do in Genesis 22, that means they love God more than anything in this life, more than their own life. God... The father was loved us so much he's willing to give up his son for us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 reads this way. God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. So God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, John three sixteen, So that even though we're dead in sins, those that trust and obey God can be quickened together, made alive together with God. Make sense? First John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Well, if you realize the story, the plan of salvation from the very foundation of the world, First Peter 1, 18-20, was that he was going to send his son to die this horrifically painful death for us. God must have loved us so much to be willing to let his son be sacrificed for us in that torturous way. He loved us so much. We ought to appreciate that, his love for us, the sacrifice of Christ, so much that we are motivated to serve Christ faithfully. On this program, we talk about a lot of doctrinal matters uh, on a number of programs. We'll say gay marriage or women preachers or baptism. If we find from the scriptures that we're not believing and practicing what the Bible says on anything, we ought to appreciate what Jesus has done for us, what God the Father has done for us, enough to be willing to make the change, to get in line with the doctrine taught by the New Testament. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Call us at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we've been talking about that. You can't really show love for anybody more than that, more than giving up one of your children. Because you love your child. If you're a parent, you know this. You love your child even more than your own life. I really wouldn't want to give up my life for any particular cause, but I'd gladly give up my life for any one of my children. God was willing to do that for us. He loved us that much. Do we appreciate it? If we do, why not serve him? Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, one point that we hadn't mentioned this in this passage, it's not like we were really great and we deserved Jesus dying for us. No, we were enemies. We made ourselves enemies with for, to God by sinning, by rebelling against him. God didn't die for the good. He got, died for the bad, those sinners, those in rebellion, like I said, in rebellion against him. Christ died for us. He loved us so much that he died for somebody who didn't like him didn't like him, Jesus, God, in the sense that we were sinning against God. Again, we didn't deserve Jesus dying for us. Matter of fact, we deserved the very opposite, death, spiritual death. Yet God loved us so much he was willing to give his only begotten son. Why? So we could be saved. I mean, Jesus was willing to volunteer himself to suffer this as I said, this excruciatingly painful death. I think we get the word excruciating from the word crucify, he was willing to volunteer himself because he loved us. He didn't get anything out of it for himself. All for us. We're the only ones that benefit from it. Yet, we're just going to let it go to waste. Jesus died for me, but I'm not willing to serve so that that death doesn't benefit me? Man, that's not very wise thinking, is it? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655- Six seven five five for John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, and that's what we've been talking about. Jesus died for everybody. Hebrews two nine said He tasted death for every man. Does that mean every man's going to be saved? Jesus died for them all. No, because salvation is conditioned. The atheist is not going to be saved because he doesn't meet the condition of believing in Christ, and that's what this is talking about. Romans 5.1 underscores this point. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that saying? That's saying that to be justified by the death of Christ, you have to have faith. Like John 3.16 says, you have to believe in Christ. Mark 16.16 16 says, not only must you believe, but you must obey. You must be baptized. Jesus said in Mark 16.16, 16, and I didn't write this, so don't blame it on me. You don't like it. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. So Jesus said clearly you got to both believe and be baptized. Now, does John 3, 16 teach you got to be baptized? Well, not in so many words. It just teaches that if you don't believe, you won't be saved. But Mark 16, 16, another passage teaches you got to believe and be baptized. There's You're never going to be able to find all the truth on any subject in one verse. I mean, God wrote the whole Bible because we need the whole thing. He has in, revealed the whole New Testament. We need the whole thing. If you want to know what to do to be saved, you don't just look at one verse, John 3, 16. You look at all the verses that tell a person what they have to do to be saved. So John 3, 16 says you've got to believe in Christ to be saved. 
But it doesn't say believe only. It's not telling you everything you have to do to be saved. Well, but a lot of people take it that way. They say, see, John 3.16, all you got to do to be saved is believe. But it doesn't really say that. It just says you do have to believe to be saved. Meaning if you don't believe, you won't be saved. Does John 3.16 mean that all a sinner has to do to be saved is believe? No. Let's look at some passages to help us to see that. For example, John 5.24. Many times this verse is overlooked in this discussion. Here's John 5.24. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Now, don't miss this. It doesn't say, this verse is not saying believe in Jesus to be saved. It's saying believe in God the Father to be saved. You have to believe on him that sent me. Jesus is talking here. So you, according to Jesus, to have everlasting life, it says you believe on him that sent me, meaning on God the Father. Now, if that's all we have revealed to us, it would we would think, well, if you believe in God the Father, you're going to be saved even if you don't believe in Jesus because it doesn't mention believing in Jesus. It just mentions you have to believe on him that sent me, God the Father, to be saved. That would mean the Jews and the Muslims could be saved even though they don't believe in Christ, which would contradict the passage we're talking about tonight, John 3.16, which teaches you do have to believe in Jesus to be saved. But see, if you use the logic, the same logic that says John 3.16 says all you got to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. If you use that same logic on John 5.24, it would prove all you got to do to be saved is believe in the Father. Because Jesus says there, if you believe in God the Father, you'll have everlasting life. If that means that's all you got to do, then you don't even have to believe in Jesus to be saved. Absurd, you say. That's my point. It's, neither verse is trying to say this is all you have to do. But John 3.16 doesn't say you believe only. In Jesus, you'll be saved. John 5, 24 doesn't say believe only in the God, the Father, and you'll be saved. Neither one of them put, are put like that. But that's the application a lot of people would like to make out of, those, out of John 3, 16. But they won't do the same thing. They won't use the same logic in John 5, 24 because they know it would con contradict many passages like John 3, 16. Like John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Or like John 8, 24, where Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Those passages unequivocally teach you got to believe in Jesus to be saved. But the logic that many used in John 3, 16 to say that's all you got to do to be saved, if you use the same logic, John 5, 24, that would mean all you got to do is believe in God the Father to be saved. But it would contradict all those other verses. If you have a Bible question or comment, Give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. You know, if John 3.16 taught that all you had to do was believe in Jesus to be saved, that that's all, then you could be saved even if you hated your brother. As long as you were a believer in Christ, you could hate your brother and still be saved. But we know that's not true because First John 3.15 says, whoever hateth his brother as a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So if you say, well, John 3.16, Pat, teaches all you got to do to be saved is believe, that can't be true because that, in effect, would contradict First John 3.15, which teaches, no, also you have to love your brother to be saved. That if you hate your brother, you're a murderer and no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So a believer in Christ, and I'm talking about a true believer in Christ, does John 3.16 say he has the everlasting life? Yes. But what if he's a believer in Christ, but he hates his brother? Then he doesn't have eternal life abiding in him. You see? 
So John 3, 16 is not, it is stating a condition of salvation. That's what it's intended to do. But it's not intended to state the only condition of salvation. No, we have to look at all the verses in the New Testament that talk about what a person has to do to be saved to find out the complete truth on that question. Here's another passage. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said there, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, does John 3, 16 saying all you got to do to be saved is believe and ruling out repentance? You mean a believer in Christ can be saved even if you don't, doesn't repent? So you're saying if that's true, that means a gay believer can be saved. He believes in Christ, but he's not willing to repent of his sins. He's a homosexual. If, if, if John 3, 16 is saying all you got to do to be saved is believe, then he's going to be saved. The gay believer. You know, we could, that makes me think the same thing in James chapter 2. Even the demons would believe if all you had to do to be saved is believe. He says in James chapter 2, verse 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So if all you got to do is believe in Jesus to be saved, well, the devils are going to be saved. They not only believe Jesus is the Son of God, they know it. What's the difference? The devils believe in Jesus, but they're not willing to submit to Jesus. So, so John 3.16 is not saying all you got to do is believe in Jesus to the exclusion of submitting to him. Not hardly. You see, if you misunderstand John 3.16, it's going to lead to all of these false understandings and contradictions in the Bible. What about if you believe that John 3.16 teaches all you got to do to be saved is believe? Wouldn't that rule out confession? Confessing Christ to be saved? But aren't we familiar with the passage like Romans 10.9 that said if, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved? That verse clearly says you got to confess Christ to be saved. But if all you have to do is believe in Jesus to be saved, according to the way some interpret John 3.16, that would mean you didn't have to confess Christ to be saved. But this verse clearly says you do have to confess. And make no mistake about it, confession comes after belief. You can't confess Christ unless you believe first, else it would be a dishonest confession. Mention again the number. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. You know, if all, if John 3.16 is teaching all you have to do to be saved is believe in Jesus, that would contradict Matthew 6.14-15, which says, to be forgiven, to be saved from your sins, you have to be willing to forgive others. Matthew 6.14-15, here's how that reads, Jesus speaking. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So you mean all you got to do is believe, according to John 3.16? What about a believer in Christ that's not willing to forgive others their sins against him? Well, Matthew 6.14-15 makes it clear that person's not going to be saved from his sins. He's not going to be forgiven. Yet if John 3.16 teaches all you got to do to be saved from your sins is believe, then that would mean that you would be saved from your sins, forgiven of your sins, even if you're unwilling to forgive others their sins against you. So you'd have a contradiction in the Bible. That understanding of John 3.16, that all you have to do to be saved is believe, would contradict all these passages. John 5.24, 1 John 3.15, Luke 13.3, Romans 10.9, Matthew 6.14 and 15, as we've been as we've been talking about, and one other one, 1 Peter 3.21. I'm just going to read part of that just to save a little time. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism, clearly from the context, talking about water baptism, 
baptism doth also now save us. Now, would God say that baptism, talking about water baptism, saves us if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved? No, that would be totally confusing. So obviously, John 3.16 is not trying to say all you have to do to be saved is believe, ruling out baptism, because 1 Peter 3.21 says baptism saves you. And God, no way he would say baptism saves you if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Now, when he says in 1 Peter 3.21 that baptism saves you, he's not trying to say that baptism earns your salvation or anything like that. No, the death of Christ earns your salvation. It's the blood that washes away the sin. The question is, when? And all 1 Peter 3.21 is saying is that baptism is like belief. Belief doesn't earn your salvation. No, the death of Christ does. Belief and baptism are both just conditions you have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. That's what it means when it says baptism saves you. It's a condition that you have to meet in order to be saved by the thing that does save you, the death of Christ. Same for belief. When the Bible in one place says, thy faith have saved, have saved you, it's not saying faith earned your salvation. It's just saying the faith was a condition the person had to meet in order to be saved by the thing that does save you, the death of Christ. Hey, but if John 3.16 is teaching all you got to do to be saved is believe in Christ, and it would contradict all these passages that teach you got to be baptized to be saved. Like 1 Peter 3.21, like a passage we've already read, Mark 16.16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Like uh, John 3, 5, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom, kingdom of God. Like Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. Like Acts 22, 16, where Saul was told to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. All of these passages say that you've got to be baptized to be saved in addition to believing. Not baptism by itself and not believing by itself. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's the truth. Mark 16, 16. If you have a Bible question or comment on this or any other Bible topic, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. What's that talking about? Well, I think it's obvious. Jesus said in Matthew 25.46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, talking about the wicked, but the righteous into life eternal. So what John 3.16 is saying is that because Jesus died for you, if you believe in Christ, you won't perish. You won't go away into everlasting punishment. Instead, you'll go into life eternal. Revelation 14.11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image. That's what we're talking about, perishing, being lost forever in a burning fire with the devil. Revelation 20, 10 and 15 says that the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's what John three sixteen is talking about when he says, you shall not perish. You shall not be lost in the bad place. H-E-O-L, burning fire with the devil. If you Believe in Christ. Of course, not just believe. Not just believe. That's what we've been trying to labor to prove the last five minutes. No, it's just like the song says, the hymn, the famous hymn. To please God, you have to trust and obey. 
not just trust, but also obey. Bill from Kentucky, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, hey, good morning. Um, and and uh, my question here is, here is uh, I understand your your different statements on on the requirements for for salvation, but uh, the thief on the cross, uh, he only had a belief, which said, you know, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. So he was, there was no baptism there, of course, in, in that moment. So was he saved or not? Go ahead. So Hebrews 9, 15, uh, 16 to 17 says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament, talking about the New Testament in this context, is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Good question, Bill. The thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized because he didn't live under the New Testament covenant. It's the New Testament that says a person has to be baptized to be saved. When Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, that was many, many days after the thief died. The thief lived under the Old Testament law that didn't require baptism. You'll never read about water baptism in the Old Testament. That's why Adam and Eve didn't have to be baptized. It's why Noah didn't have to be baptized. It's why Abraham didn't have to be baptized. It's why Moses didn't have to be baptized. The covenant they lived under didn't require baptism. And that's why the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized because the new covenant did not come into effect until after the death of the testator, Hebrews 9, which we just read. And that was on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 when Peter said to those believers, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Thief didn't have to do that. He didn't live under a law that said you had to be baptized to be saved. But we do. We live under the New Testament law that says you do have to be baptized to be saved. We can't be saved like the thief because we live under a different law. He lived under the law that said do animal sacrifices. Uh, you have to keep, you can't work on Saturdays. Uh, you can't eat pork and catfish. We don't live under that. Now, back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the last element there. Have everlasting life. You will avoid perishing, going to the bad place, and you'll go to heaven if you trust and obey Christ and take advantage of his death. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Luke 23, 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Bob from Texas, go ahead with the Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, just a quick word. You're talking about the thief on the cross dying under the old covenant. But if you go back and read that passage, if you remember, Pilate sent the uh, guys out to break the legs of the guys so that they would be dead so they wouldn't be on the Passover. And they did go out and break the leg. They did not. They did go out and break the legs of both the thieves because they were not dead. But when they came to Jesus, he was dead. Mm -hmm. So Jesus right. died before the thief from the cross died. So his blood covers those sins. Thank you. All right, thank you. And so that caller's correct. The thief died after Jesus did. But remember, Hebrews 9 didn't say the New Testament was going to affect when the de at the death of the testator. It says after the death of the testator. After the death of the testator. So Luke 24, 47 pinpoints for us when the New Testament law, which requires baptism, went into effect. Luke 24, 47 says, and that repentance and remission of sins, and this is one of the accounts of the Great Commission, should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So the New Testament law went into effect 
on the day of Pentecost, about 50 days after Jesus died, about 50 days after the thief died. The law that requires water baptism to be saved did not go into effect until many days after the thief died. Many days after the death of, death of the testator, about 50 days if I've got it calculated correctly. The thief on the cross then, when he was forgiven, when Jesus in effect said, you're forgiven, today you will be with me in paradise. He, the old covenant law was still in effect at that time. He never lived under the New Testament law, which says you've got to be baptized to be saved. I didn't write it, folks. Jesus, our Lord, is the one that said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. You, you don't want to argue with me because if you argue with me on that point, you're arguing with the Lord himself. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, I want you to give me a call or text me at 256-682-9753. If you want a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime when you can do it, call or text me 256 682 9753.